0: You beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. And hey, hit that like button to help spread and promote some common sense news coverage here on the YouTubes and let's just jump into it. Y'all, first up today is not actually news. It's a little bit of a tease. Not that kind of tease, you pervert. Rather, me letting you know it's been a minute, but. Monday, October 4th, the brand new beautiful Bastard Drop is coming. It's 24 items, boom, it's right here. Now it's gone. Never see those items again, except right here. It's tiny and now it's big and now it's tiny again. 24 awesome items. If you want to guarantee that you get a shot, it's stuff, I would highly recommend you just, you text me at my text line, 813-213-4423. You'll be the first to know and get access on Monday. So yeah, look forward to that. One of the last two drops of the year. And then we should definitely talk about this major Britney Spears, free Britney movement news. Rather than just telling you what happened, I'll show you uh, how I imagine a lot of people that have been a part of the free Britney movement responded when they saw the news. Jamie's gone. Kayla. It pulled out how? I believe Oh, this is a good day. Yeah, it is. Caleb and also Caleb is right. Yesterday, Judge Brenda Penny suspended Britney Spears' father, Jamie, from his role as her financial conservator. With Penny saying, I believe that the suspension is in the best interest of the conservatee. The current situation is untenable. And so finally, after Britney Spears has been in this conservatorship for 13 years, has made it very clear that she finds it oppressive and believes that her father is abusing his power. This looks like a massive, win for her. And for some background on this, Jamie actually previously filed to completely end the conservatorship with Britney's lawyer, Matthew Rosengart saying that Britney was on board to remove the whole thing entirely, but they wanted Jamie ousted first. And to explain why they wanted to add that extra step, there are actually a couple of reasons. First, Rosengard said that by avoiding his suspension and going straight for terminating the conservatorship, Jamie was trying to dodge handing over records from the conservatorship. This, including 13 years of finances, which Britney's team obviously wants to get their hands on. And now that Jamie is suspended, they'll get their chance because it forces him to fork it over. And then also you have Britney's recent engagement, which comes with the need to negotiate a prenup. And Rosengart argued that they needed to make sure that Jamie had no involvement in that process. And as far as what comes next, you have an accountant being named Brittany's temporary conservator. Without less saying that the hearing to possibly discuss the termination of the conservatorship set for November 12th, you also then have Rosengart set on investigating Jamie for potential misconduct with him telling reporters yesterday, I said at the outset that my firm and I were going to take a top to bottom look at what Jamie Spears and his representatives have done here. That's already in process. And that investigation will likely touch on a large number of things. Things like the claims that Brittany made in her June testimony, where she said that the conservatorship was abusive, saying that her father loved the power to control her. It'll also take a look at Rosengard's allegations that Jamie has extorted Britney, and it will likely focus on new allegations from a documentary that Jamie bugged Britney's room and phone without her knowledge. So the situation in no way over, but very likely the next chapter for Britney Spears's life. It's here. And then in one of the most requested stories this week, and I'm going to try and talk about kind of the the grander aspect of this rather than just uh, the individual thing. And that grander aspect is canceling celebs in general. I've talked about this before. I think short of actually committing a crime, I think a celeb cannot effectively be canceled. Whether you think it is rightly or wrongly, I just, I don't see really many examples of that. Like everyday people can get canceled. They get fired from their job. They don't have like a platform of their own. But I mean, just look at the last year, you had what, James Charles, David Dobrik, Nikita Dragon. I feel like. <laughs> gets canceled every week, Jeffree Star, Shane Dawson, actually those last two are, are the, the specific thing we're talking about today. Because people are starting to get worked up because Jeffree Star said that he and Shane Dawson are be making the first video together since they were canceled back in the summer of 2020. Or Shane and Jeffrey dealing with various allegations and criticisms about old racist content as Shane made weird jokes about kids, uh, both of their involvements in Dramageddon 2.0, all resulting in them losing subscribers and deals, Morphe specifically cutting commercial ties with Jeffree. And while Jeffree for his part already previously returned to posting, Shane essentially took a break from YouTube, the more recently popping up on his fiance's channel, but also it appears now that Shane is coming back with Jeffrey, Jeffrey posting brand new video will be up this Friday. Shane Dawson and I react to finding our makeup collab in Nordstrom Rack. Or something that Jeffrey might see as a downgrade as he's previously made fun of brands that sell their products at discount stores. And as you might expect, the reaction's been mixed. Many of their fans happy to see them coming together. Others not as thrilled, wondering how can they come back like nothing happened. With some writing things like, now how the fuck is Shane Dawson coming back after what he did? Sad how no one is really canceled. They can just take a year off and it'll be okay. And right? with these numerous situations we've seen in comments like that, I think it's caused a lot of people to kind of look back to the past year or two or how many influencers or celebrities got canceled and then like actually never came back? And, like, I think literally the only one is the one that most people actually want to return to the internet. Or that being Jenna Marbles, it felt very much like the near universal reaction to, to her canceling. Like she was being the person most angry at herself, most critical of herself. I mean, you look through social media, look through the comments on the videos and stuff, like it looked like no one wanted her to leave. Or like, I think any day, like let, let's try it right now. I feel like you can hop on social media, type in Jenna Marbles, and it's probably gonna be people saying, I wish she was back. YouTube hasn't been the same since Jenna Marbles left. I miss Jenna Marbles so much, her videos were so great. Update, I still miss Jenna Marbles. Society of Jenna Marbles return. But also, I feel like we're getting a little sidetracked here. What else say? One, if you have any specific thoughts about Shane Dawson coming back, right? Positive, negative, maybe you're torn, let me know. And two, regarding the question of can celebrities actually get canceled if there wasn't a crime committed? I actually asked you guys this this morning on the poll. And oh my God, for the first time in like two weeks, Y'all were split on something. 58% saying that celebs cannot be canceled. 42% saying, yes, they can. With some of the top comments diving into specific arguments. Like you can't be canceled if you don't care. Only way to be fully canceled is if you're deplatformed. Some also noting that it's sometimes difficult for celebrities who do commit crimes to be canceled. With some providing examples like Chris Brown. Some saying canceling doesn't actually exist outside Twitter, right? And obviously it's a broad question. It's a broad situation. Right? Like in some situations, someone said something disgusting or horrible like 12 years ago. Sometimes someone just like did Something now. So, yeah, if you didn't take part in that poll right now, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. And remember, try and separate this from do you think? people should be canceled or not. And rather, it's more of like, is it actually a thing that is happening to these people? Then and easily my favorite story of the day, and just bear with me, because the next line is gonna make me seem like a monster, because the story is about this 50 year old man. He went missing into the woods on Tuesday, reportedly he had been drinking with friends. He just wandered in. And after hours of trying to reach him, his wife, his friends, they contact the police, they send out a search party. And so this is reportedly going on for several hours. And then at one point, one of the rescue workers is like, okay, I'm gonna yell this guy's name, he yells it, and then someone within their own group goes, Oh, hi. And so what turns out happened is that at some point the, the missing man, he stumbled across a search party, he decided to join, right? He was helping out, didn't realize that he was searching for himself. Yeah, he was taken home. It's unclear if he's gonna face any sort of penalty, but I, I just love that for so many reasons. But from that, I wanna take a quick second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Vessi. You know, it's honestly hard to find lightweight shoes that actually keep your feet warm and dry through rain, snow, mud, and Vessi did it again with their brand new sneaker, the Everyday Move, and I love him. And right, so if you didn't already know, Vessi makes 100% waterproof and snowproof sneakers that are incredibly comfortable, breathable, and actually pretty stylish, which is why they're good for running errands, hitting the gym, going to the park with the kids, or even going on muddy hikes. And this new Everyday Move sneaker still has their Dimatex material, a dual climate knit that keeps you cool in the summer and warm in the winter. It's for the explorer looking to take activities up a notch or just going for that sportier look. And the Everyday Move even has this silhouette inspired by the natural movement of water designed to get you moving. So if you want to get that feeling like you're walking on clouds legally and not getting in trouble with the law, just go to Vessi.com slash right now, and be sure to use code DeFranco at checkout to get $25 off. Grab them now while they still have your size and you'll definitely be thanking me later. Then we should definitely talk about the massive news that the Cherokee Nation in Oklahoma reached a $75 million opioid settlement with three of the largest drug distributors in the country. And this is absolutely huge because not only is this deal the first of its kind with the tribal government, but also Cherokee officials say that it is the largest settlement in the history of the tribe, which is more than 390,000 citizens. and right this agreement stems from a 2017 lawsuit the Cherokee Nation brought against the distributors, Marisource. Virgin, Cardinal Health, and McKesson. And as far as some of the specifics, you had the tribe accusing the groups of flooding its territory with millions of opioid pills, causing dramatic rates of abuse and overdose deaths that disproportionately affected their community. In fact, according to an analysis by the Washington Post, from 2006 to 2014, Native Americans were nearly 50% more likely to die from an opioid overdose than non-Native Americans. Now, the, the sentence I hate saying with these stories, but it's pretty much every time. The three companies who profited off this devastation that they caused did not have to admit that they did anything wrong, with them still strongly denying any wrongdoing in a joint statement where they also patted themselves on the back for taking what they called an important step toward reaching a broader settlement with all federally recognized Native American tribes. But the situation isn't fully done, I mean, for at least two reasons. First, while yes, $75 million split three ways is basically pocket change for these distributors. It also comes as those three same companies along with Johnson & Johnson are in the final stages of solidifying a $26 billion settlement to resolve similar claims by states and local governments. And two, regarding the Native American tribes, they also named three pharmacies in that 2017 lawsuit that were not of this deal. So you have the Cherokee Nation promising to vigorously pursue claims against Walmart, Walgreens, and CVS at a pending trial. Then we should definitely talk about all this vaccine mandate firing news. And where we'll start is with one North Carolina based hospital system reportedly now firing roughly 175 unvaccinated employees in a single go for failing to adhere to the company's mandatory COVID vaccination policy. However, and it ends up kind of being a theme across multiple companies, the initial number of people that could potentially be fired was much higher. With that company, Novant Health saying that it suspended 375 unvaccinated workers last week, giving them five five days to comply, right, get that first dose. And that actually led to some 200 workers receiving their first doses by Friday. At the same time, we've seen the vaccination rate for healthcare workers in New York state skyrocketing. With that likely connected to the fact that as of Monday, hospitals in the state are now allowed to fire any unvaxxed employees. And it was a big bump. Last week, the vax rate was around 80%. Now it's jumped to 92%. With New York actually having one of the highest rates of vaccination among healthcare workers nationally. However, obviously not universal. Some workers have still refused to take the vaccine, leading to them now being fired or suspended. That in turn has caused some hospitals to have to post postpone elective surgeries and cut back on services. It's also why the governor of New York signed an emergency order that will allow the National Guard to fill staffing shortages. Well, definitely a focal point, it's not just the healthcare industry. Right, reportedly, United Airlines is now preparing to fire nearly 600 unvaxxed employees, which sounds like a lot of people until you compare it to the number of people still dying every single day in the United States from COVID or United's workforce in general, with it saying that these people make up less than 1%. And while of course they and other places are still saying, hey, you can still get vax." there are inevitably gonna be a number of people that are like, no, I'm still not gonna do it. And according to new data, while there are a lot of people, right, still looking to hire, right, there's a job crunch, they might stumble across other issues because, I mean, we have reports coming out saying that on places like Indeed, the number of job postings that require vaccination spiked 242% in the last month. And understand, while it's still technically a small number compared to the total number of job postings, those numbers are very likely going to keep going up. And I say that because according to a new Gartner survey of legal and human resources officers at companies across the country, 46% of firms planning to issue vaccine mandates, 36% saying they're unsure, 17% saying they will not, But ultimately, you know, that's where we are with this story and situation right now. And so I wanna pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts regarding these firings? Do you support them? Are you against them? Are you kind of torn on the issue? You don't know where? Your land, thoughts, anything, I'd love to hear from you. And then we should definitely talk about the major update to the Sarah Everard case. Or if you're unfamiliar, she was a 33-year-old woman who went missing in the UK on March 3rd while walking home from a friend's house. And her body ended up being found a week later, more than 50 miles away from where she was last seen. And this story generated nationwide attention, also generating a lot of frustration when local police urged women to not go out alone. Or that blew up then, right? That approach criticized for fueling the culture of victim blaming, also prompting women on social media to speak out about their own experiences of abuse and harassment to shine a light on the epidemic of violence against women and girls in the UK. But with all of that, we eventually saw authorities arrest and then later fire a London metropolitan police officer by the name of Wayne Cousins for Everard's abduction, rape and murder. And after pleading guilty, the big update today is that he was finally sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And as far as some of the specifics, according to prosecutors, he used his police identification and handcuffs to trick Everard into getting into his car after telling her that she had violated COVID-19 rules. Witnesses who saw the kidnapping, saying that they saw him handcuff her, also believing that he was an undercover officer making an arrest. with Cousins then raping and strangling her to death with his police belt that same evening before later burning and disposing of her body. And possibly like many others, when you hear the details of that, you're like, well, I I get, life in prison, but I really wish that he was maybe buried underneath the prison. That maybe seems more just for a monster like this, but uh, it is important to know that this sentence is still a very big deal. Life sentences are actually very rare in the UK, and while murder in Britain does carry a mandatory life sentence, it's highly unusual for someone to be sentenced to life behind bars without the chance of parole. Where you had Cousins lawyer arguing for a 30 year sentence as a starting point, arguing that there are currently 73 prisoners in England and Wales who have no chance of parole, but, all of them had committed more than one murder. But ultimately, for a number of reasons, the judge was like, ah, no. Also, this is likely not the end of the story because a police watchdog is still investigating whether the police responded appropriately to a report that Cousins indecently exposed himself at a fast food restaurant three days before he abducted Everard. With that group also investigating alleged failures by Kent police to investigate another indecent exposure incident linked to Cousins from 2015. So it's very likely that the next chapter of this story is gonna be very focused on whether the police are actually policing themselves. And then finally today, let's talk about this Robin Hood. News. And just, just at the top, I want to say I am conflicted because I saw this situation trending. People have asked me to talk about it, but I am also an investor and a competitor of theirs. So there is the possibility of bias. And so what I'll try and do is just kind of cover the story, the accusations being made, and I'm just gonna keep my opinions out of it. So here we go. So Robinhood is back in the news because we're seeing some new major allegations coming out against them over the past week. Right? And just as a refresher, Robinhood's an app that allows you to buy and sell shares of stocks, facing that major controversy earlier this year during the GameStop AMC meme stock frenzy. People throwing crazy amounts of money into stocks, seemingly trying to fuck with hedge funds, like shares of stuff going up hundreds of percent. And then, of course, on that notable day on January 28th, Robinhood restricted its users from buying new shares of GameStop and AMC, as well as Nokia and Blackberry. Instead, only allowing users to sell off existing shares of those stocks, something that many said was a blatant attempt by Robinhood to cause share values to crash back down to pre-meme stock levels. And for a time, seemingly connected directly to this, we saw share prices plunge. However, since then, Robinhood has consistently denied that it was trying to manipulate the market. Instead, Clinton- that the decision was made because the buying surge resulted in a $3 billion bill from clearing houses, which managed stock transactions. With Robinhood saying that they only had $2 billion in capital at that time, so it was unable to pay off this growing bill. Robinhood essentially saying, we had no other choice. Meanwhile, you have others, including Congress, investigating whether or not hedge funds played a role in Robinhood's decision since the frenzy was causing these hedge funds to lose billions of dollars. And so that is actually where the first of these new major accusations comes in. But last week, lawyers for several Robinhood customers suing the platform alleged Citadel Securities pressured Robinhood to restrict small investor trading. And that's It's notable because not only is Citadel Securities owned by a hedge fund, but it also executes many of the orders submitted by Robinhood customers. So with that, you have these lawyers providing internal communications that seem to show tense talks between the two companies. In fact, one message from Jim Swartwout, who is the president and COO of Robinhood Securities, reading, you wouldn't believe the convo we had with Citadel, total mess. While it's unclear what exactly was being discussed there, the lawyers argued that this and several other cryptic messages were evidence of Citadel pressuring Robinhood, which really, I mean, this has been a theory that's persisted online for months now, but many online snatching these messages saying, hey, this is proof that Citadel pressured Robinhood. Many accusing Citadel LLC CEO Ken Griffin of lying to Congress when he said that there was no collusion between the two companies. But still there you have Citadel holding firm, tweeting that it did not ask Robinhood or any firm to restrict or limit its trading activity on January 27th. Announcing the accusation as being fueled by internet conspiracies and Twitter mobs. Robinhood spokesperson also later echoing that account saying these complaints attempt to create a false narrative of collusion. In times of market stress, it's normal and advisable for us to communicate even more with our market centers. So essentially saying that communication does not equal collusion. Which is not a new statement. That is something that both Robinhood and Citadel stated during their congressional hearings earlier this year. But all of that brings us then to the second new major allegation that we're seeing. The second accusation directly involves Swartwell, with the basis of this allegation being that he sold his shares of AMC during the height of trading just two days before Robinhood restricted trading. According to the lawsuit on January 26th, Swartwell outright said in an internal chat, I sold my AMC today, adding FYI, tomorrow morning we are moving GameStop to 100%, so you are aware. While people have interpreted in different ways what moving GameStop to 100% actually Means many are in agreement that it shows that he was trading stock on non-public information, with others also alleging that it appears that he's tipping off others to this non-public info. Well, yes, that is illegal. Like the last allegation, this is now in the hands of the court. And so now we have to wait and see, do they see it one way? Do they see it the other? Do they kind of see it one way, but it's not conclusive enough? Does more evidence end up coming out that supports or rejects these accusations. But ultimately that's the story and time will tell how everything lands. But what I will say separate to that, like I said, I am invested in one of their competitors. I did so at my own, monetary risk, but also because I truly believe in this company. If you're someone that's been thinking about investing, but you're not in a new place, I highly recommend you go to Public. You can use Franco.com. obviously that benefits me, but Public is a great service in its own right. And two, if you're someone that uses Robinhood, you're not happy with them, you don't support the, the things that they did back then, you have trust issues, whatever reason, Public actually makes it exceptionally easy to move over your portfolio. Which one, I mean, that could be for your own peace of mind, your own security, but also, the only way we have any control in this world and it's so fucking dumb is with our wallets. And hey, if you sign up with public.com slash or maybe even just if you sign up in general, I'm not sure, but I definitely know with our link, just for signing up, you'll get some free stuff. And y'all, ultimately that is where this story in today's show ends. And of course, one, whether it be with this story or any story that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. And two, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you next time.